You're listening to the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, DP Sidhu, and short week, but the podcast will roll on. We've got a great podcast for you lined up today. It's Brennan Scarlett. We chit-chat with him about special teams, how he's been playing on the field, and some of his interests off the field, which really will surprise you. They certainly surprised me. And then we've also got Greg Likens, who covers the Dolphins. He used to do so for Finsiders Radio. Now he does so for 790 The Ticket and 560 in Miami. He really breaks down this matchup and and sort of what to expect from this Dolphins team that's heading into town. And a lot of questions there. you got Brock Osweiler heading back to Houston. you got Lamar Miller facing his former team. Some great storylines for Thursday night's game. We're going to get into all that. But first... You're going to have to check out Bose Technology if you want to block out 80,000 screaming fans. That's pretty much what the coaches do here at the Houston Texans. You might want to check out the Quiet Comfort 35 Headphones 2 from Bose. And I like them because you can put all your focus into what you're doing. The QC35 Wireless 2 is my go-to headphones uh, here at the Houston Texans. To learn more, check out Bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. And also... This rainy weather, I mean, if there's not comfort food that you're craving, I, I don't know what else makes you crave comfort food other than rainy weather. So if you got some time, check out Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. No matter where you live, they've got 12 locations, three new ones opening up, Fulshire, Kingwood, and Porter. They've got a food truck. If you've got a big event, Halloween party, the holidays, people visiting, they'll deliver steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard right to your door, right to your event. You might want to check out Freddy's Original Double Steak Burger. It's a real game changer. All right, with that, let's get into our podcast. And first up, Brennan Scarlett, outside linebacker for your Houston Texans. Done some really nice things on special teams. A couple weeks ago, you saw what he did uh, with the forced fumbles. And he's been playing really, really well this year. Third year in the league. One of the Stanford guys, uh, Stanford and Clemson, sort of having this duel of of who's going to get more players here in the locker room. But Brennan's always a lot of fun to chat with. I sat down with him, talked about special teams, talked about what it's taken for a guy like him undrafted to have the success that he's had. Here's Brennan Scarlett. Special teams phenom. How's it going today, Brennan? Oh, wonderful. Better now that I'm on I'm on Deep Slant. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate it. I don't think I've had you on. Did I have you on last year? Last year, yeah. I did have you on because I know I've talked to you before. Been a but while. First time for this year. Uh, I want to ask you about Shania Twain. Are you a big Shania Twain fan? I'm, I'm a big Shania Twain fan. Yes, I uh, came across the T-shirt with her face on it, and I fell in love with the shirt. Then I, you know, did a little deep digging into the music. Fell in love with the music. Oh, you saw the shirt first, and you had not heard the music. Well, I've heard it, but <laughs> I didn't. I hadn't done a deep dive into the Shania Twain archives, but she's got some cuts for sure. The shirt definitely helped, huh? All right, so you wear the Shania Twain shirt, and then you have this like monster game on special teams, first career fumble recovery, recovering a blocked punt. You had a special teams tackle all against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to start wearing the shirt more often, maybe, if you're superstitious uh, as a good luck. She's possibly a good luck charm. She's possibly a good luck charm. So we'll have to test you her to sooner test down it. the line. I can't, I can't rock the shirt again too soon. You know, that'll just be a bad on the war, on the wardrobe. Fashion faux pas. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I got you. I got right. you. I saw that you put – it was actually the like of the week. I do this thing called likes and stuff. Oh, really? And we made your Shania Twain shirt the like of the week uh, because you also wanted someone to tag Shania in it, which I oh, saw yeah. a bunch of people yeah, tagged yeah. her. But <laughs> had you heard, has she reached out or have you heard anything? Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't heard anything. She should at least sign yet. your shirt. I'm but, just putting that out there for the uh, universe. Hopefully, hopefully, at some point, you know, our paths will cross. During the game, I noticed that 
your good pal and teammate Dylan Cole, who's on injured reserve. He's always tweeting at you, tweeting at special teams, yeah. and what a great job you guys are doing so far. What does the identity of this special teams look like right now? Uh, we got a great group of guys, you know, between all the, the leaders we got on the unit plus the younger guys. You know, we all come in with the attitude that, you know, every week we're trying to dominate our opponents. Uh, and We prepare hard, hold each other accountable. Uh, so that's kind of the identity of the group right now. You know, we got guys like Johnson Batamosi and Brian Peters and obviously Terrell Adams and then the younger dudes, Justin Reed and Peter Kalambayi, uh Buddy, AJ. Just we got a good group of guys, and we're all uh, we're all working to really be the best unit out there. You're under Brad Seeley and Tracy. I mean, two new guys who've done mm-hmm. it for a really long time. I've heard they're sort of like yin and yang together. Oh, Those two sure. travel in a pack, right, yeah, Wh- they wherever do. they coach. <laughs> Like, how are yeah. they so different? I don't really know them the same way you guys know them. Uh, both both very knowledgeable. So you can kind of go to either of them um, for anything. You know, Tracy kind of sits with the guys in the meetings while uh, Coach Sealy leads leads the meeting. So it's kind of nice to have him. He's almost like, you know, he's like a player back there, you know, chopping it up. So whatever questions we have, you know, just cracking jokes back there. So. Uh, it's just it's a good dynamic, and uh, Coach Sealy obviously been doing it a long time, and uh, you know it takes a very uh, scientific, meticulous pro- approach to special teams, and you know our jobs and responsibilities, and uh, it pays off. Zero punt yards given up against New England, and right now one of the best in the league in yards allowed on kickoff returns. I just want to put that out there. Special teams, very special right now. I want to talk to you about yourself. It's your third season out of Stanford. You came here undrafted. And now you look back. It's hard to imagine that you were undrafted. I almost feel like i got to check that every time I look you up. <laughs> what do you think you did right to sort of have this career and this start to the career that you've had so far? Um, you know, I just think the – first of all, just had, you know, guys ahead of me that I've been able to learn from, you know, to you know, learn how to prepare, learn how to keep my body right, uh, you know, and learn how to just be a pro. And uh, so that's kind of something that, you know, I take through the off seasons in the season – um, you know, just preparing every week. Um, Who was that you know. for you your first year in 2016? Who do you think you really looked up to? Uh, I looked up a lot to uh, Whitney Merciless, um, Brian Peters, Brian Cushing, uh, those guys. And uh, come the off season, I started working out with uh, Nadam Kinsu, who kind of so we train in the off season together. So I've learned a lot from from him. You train out in California? Is that where Portland. you all train? Portland, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, the Nike headquarters. So. Lucked out. Oh, that's that right. You're rocking the Nike, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, big Nike guy. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wonder when you're in Portland, Oregon, like how much is it a football state? Are there like I, I mean, obviously you've got the football programs there. Right, right. But like overall, is it it's gotta be so different from what the attitude towards football in Texas is, oh, I would without imagine. A doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, because we don't have a professional team out there. Uh so it's like soccer is a big sport because we've got the Timbers and then basketball obviously mm-hmm. with Trailblazers. Uh so I'd say those are kind of the, the leading sports, but you know, we got some good guys that have come out of Portland, and uh, you know, they are everybody who's I think that is a professional in the league, for the most part, goes back to Portland and either trains or like has a good deep connection with the with the city. So it's a good close knit group, I would say. Have you ever taken any of your teammates back to Portland? Uh, has anyone ever tagged along with you on one of those trips? Uh, not yet. No, not yet. <laughs> DJ Reader was supposed to supposed to make a trip, bailed. Brian Peters mm. supposed to make a trip, bailed. 
But, huh. uh, we're gonna we're, we're we're working on it. I think you should. I think you should have a little field trip to to Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I've actually never been. I've always wanted to go. I heard it's a beautiful part of the country. Come on out. I should. Come I should. All right, you guys, Stanford versus Clemson. Like, is there a little battle in the locker room? You guys are now evenly tied. I feel like we're getting a lot of Stanford guys in there. Uh, we are. You know, we're we're cut from a. Uh, a solid cloth you know? <laughs> so uh yeah we got a good number of stanford guys i don't think there's much of a rivalry right now with the clemson dudes uh-huh. uh if there's ever a day where clemson plays stanford maybe that that rivalry will begin yeah that's but true it's, that's it's unfortunate right now that's unfortunate uh i want to talk to you about that uh 2016 season would you go back and do anything differently now that you've been in the league a few years uh 2016 uh i would change the way that i uh the way that i came in um, like my first off season before my first season, right? Like training, I was just like, I was killing myself. I was Why? going really hard just to train. Cause I'm about okay. to be in the league, you know, I want to like, be, I'm in the NFL, strong, like, I work really fast, hard. you know, I got to do all of this stuff. And like, you know, I ended up coming in with a hamstring. Like it was like a tough oh, first weird. three weeks yeah. of training camp. And it was just because, you know, I was just training really hard back home. And I, if I would to do it different, I would just would have taken my time and kind of ease your way into it yeah. instead of harder because you know at a certain point that's kind of uh how you prolong a career you went on ir that year for a little bit in the middle you came back yeah. for like the last few games of the mm-hmm. year and then the postseason yeah what was that process like did uh, you know that you were going to come back or was that you know I'm, i imagine you put a lot of pressure on yourself to come uh, back. no i had i had a little bit of an idea because i was just told when they uh placed me on ir to Stay ready. You know, you don't want to like happen. Like we can bring somebody back. That's true. To you. Mm-hmm. So especially down the line, as uh, a couple guys ahead of me were were getting hurt, you know, and a couple weeks before I was able to come back, I kind of had a sense that yeah, this uh, might be a good opportunity. So you know, I kind of had it in my mind when they finally told me that I was going to be back. How exciting! You're undrafted, you're a rookie, then you get to play in a playoff game. Oh, your yeah. first year. I mean, I imagine the emotions were just like. Yeah. I mean, was... can you even describe what that's like? No, I mean, at did that, you think that you'd be in the NFL like when you're undrafted? Like, what was your sense of where your career was going to go? Um, I always thought that I had the talent and the the work ethic, and um, I always thought that I could play in the NFL. It was never really a doubt in my mind. It was, you know, I guess a doubt in other folks' mind, and that's kind of something I've carried as a chip on my shoulder a little bit. But uh, for me personally, you know, my support group. My, my parents, coaches, you know, never told me I couldn't do it. So, like, I never had that belief. You got a lot of support when it comes to football. One thing that you don't have a lot of support for, uh, your Instagram posts. Mm. I feel like your teammates give you a really hard time <laughs> about your I – mean, I don't understand why. I think they're great. I appreciate that. Brian Peters was giving you scores on your on your oh, captions. Yeah, 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 He's yeah, not yeah. a fan. JJ yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. gets in on that. Yeah. What's happening there? You know, the thing is, it's like it's like the same thing as publicity. You know, they say all all publicity is <laughs> it's good, good publicity. publicity. So I say, yeah. in, in terms of Instagram, all engagement is good engagement. You know what I mean? That's a good way so to look at it. They're, they're if I got BP it. and my comments hating, <laughs> JJ has an occasional hating comment. Like, that's all right. Keep it coming. <laughs> What's their biggest beef with your captions? Uh... They're pretty. Um, You'd have to ask them. I don't know. They're pretty philosophical, that. right? I, I think so. Appreciate. I that. think that's where Instagram's headed. It's like a picture and then a very philosophical quote, which I can't really pull off. But I mean, I mean, the young kids are doing it, and I, I think it looks. It's it's a it's a it's a good Instagram voice. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, I don't want to say that it says a lot about you now that you said you can't do it, but. <laughs> 
it kind of says something about you know. Well, I it, have to be true to me. So if that's gotta, not my identity, then I'm not going to pretend like it is. That's right. that's, that's part you of who I am. Gotta be real. I gotta be real, and real is not for me. It's not having quotes like that. It's making fun of myself sometimes. I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, I'll have to come to you for Instagram questions. I've learned a lot about you through your Instagram. I learned that you used to be a Harry Potter book fan and you used to wait up all night with your mom to buy books. That's right. That's right. I was a huge Harry Potter fan. I was really a big fan of reading when I was younger. It was like, for some reason, I was really into like the sci-fi type books. So like there was this... Like Percy Jackson? Was that after you? Before <sighs> Percy you... Jackson, I wasn't into that. But there was these books called uh, like Aragon. It was like a dragon series. Okay. Like, that reminds me of like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only on season three of Game of Thrones. I kind of okay, no spoilers that. will be thrown out just yet. <laughs> but that is part of my Halloween costume. I'm just putting really? that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, so I just finished the Red Wedding. Oh, yeah. It's been a tough week for I me. I can't believe nobody, get, you didn't have any spoilers about that. Because when that came out on Twitter, I mean, I had to like get off of Twitter for a while. So I wasn't even into Game of Thrones until like after training camp. Like okay. I started this like in the beginning of the season, and Will Fuller told me because I was telling him like, "Yo, like I'm a big fan of Rob Stark. Yeah, that's yeah, my, that's my yeah. guy." And he was like, "What? Well, <laughs> like, just wait." That's pretty much yeah. <laughs> <Just wait. laughs> yeah. Well, if you like reading, you should go back and maybe read the books. Although I think the series is like so much better that I sort of abandoned the books. Like huh. I definitely read one and most of two. Yeah, but I thought good. the uh, yeah, but I thought the series was just so much better. Yeah, uh, you've got a lot of layers. Anything that people might be surprised to know about you? Oh. Well, I can't, you kind of you kind of gave away some of my. I know, did. Well, the I have to do Twain, my research. Uh-huh. The Shania Twain thing, you know that I picked up that shirt at a thrift shop. I'm a big thrift guy, so. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. I think people would be surprised to know that you shop at a thrift shop. Mm, yeah. And several, why do you several thrift shops in Houston, or do you have shop. to go to Portland for like the really good no, thrift Houston, shops? Houston has a few. There's some uh, over on Westheimer, like right in that Montrose area. But then I oh, got yeah. some. I got some connections on Instagram. That's kind of been throwing me some. <laughs> Blessing me with a, with some great pieces lately. So, uh, now nah, I'm into I'm into the vintage the vintage stuff because you know not everybody's wearing it. It's original. It's 100 percent original. It's almost like a one of one. You know, at this point, at 20, this point, 20 years later, it's like a one of one. It's it's almost know? amazing and miraculous that you found it and it fits you. As a football player, for I sure. think it's hard enough to for normal people to find stuff that fits them at a thrift shop, and then you just go there and it's oh, like without, off the well, rack. Luckily, back in the day, they used to, it, clothes were a little bigger. <laughs> <laughs> back in the day, so, so extra large. Don't try this at home. Today <laughs> doesn't fit me, but back in like the early 90s, you know, it's. I think that people would be surprised to know that as well as many other things. You got to follow this guy on Instagram, B dot Scar. B dot Scar. Yeah, and his. Con- I think. I. I mean, I think it's great. You learn a lot B, about. Period. S C A R. No sponsors yet. We're working on that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, Brennan Scarlett. Thanks so much, All Brennan. Right, thanks for having me. So, real talk. When Brennan told me that he shopped at a thrift shop, I sort of knew that because I'd seen it as an Instagram caption, but I didn't know if that was a song lyric or if he literally meant. He went to a thrift shop, so I just <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to assume anything, but now that he explained it, I thought that was really cool. So anytime you see Brennan Scarlett rolling into the stadium, you'll know that hey, maybe he bought that at a thrift shop. So you could be wearing his shirt too one day if he ever returns it. I don't know. He loves Shania Twain too. I didn't realize that the T-shirt is what got him into Shania Twain. I think he he should keep wearing it. It's it's been doing some good things for him. So hopefully he has a big game Thursday night against the Dolphins. If you haven't heard, Dolphins. Coming into town, Brock Osweiler and company. Brock getting his third start. What does that Dolphins team look like? Their identity is is really kind of a question mark. And so 
I talked with Greg Likens. He used to cover the Dolphins for Finsiders Radio. They were on every day, did some great stuff. I talked to him a few years ago when when this Texans team faced the Dolphins in 2015, a loss that really nobody wants to remember. Their only loss to the Dolphins in franchise history. Texans 7-1 and against Miami, hoping to make it 8-1. and And uh, here's what Greg had to say about this 2018 Dolphins team. Talk to me about this decision that Adam Gase wanted to make. He wanted to bring the team a day earlier than normal. Usually teams travel the Wednesday night before a Thursday night game or the Wednesday before a Thursday game. He wanted his team to be here a few days early. What did he foresee as being the advantages or maybe the disadvantages of coming so close to kick if if they were to arrive today? Yeah, and it's a question that certainly came up uh, with this decision-making process. And I think Adam Gase just decided to look himself in the mirror and look at his history as the Dolphins head coach on Thursday Night Football. He's lost 22-7 to to Cincinnati, and last year a disaster 40 to nothing loss to Baltimore in the two previous Thursday Night Games uh, under his tenure as the Dolphins head coach. And so he said, hey, you know what? We've, we've been outscored 62-7 to in my Thursday Night Football career as a head coach. I want to do something different. So I don't know if it's going to work, D.P., but Adam Gates, I think, is much for a psychological advantage perhaps as anything else, he just decided that it'd be better off if the team traveled a day early, get accustomed. I mean, it's not really a big time difference, which is one hour, but I think he just wanted to do something different because they haven't had success under his watch on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, it was interesting. We were talking about this on Texans Radio just last night. A few people thought maybe it was the weather. There was weather in Miami. They wanted to beat it, but it, it certainly sounds like it was more of a football decision. I think so. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of these. Uh, Adam Gates doesn't necessarily have some of these tendencies, but you know how some of these people are in sports with their superstitions, and I think he just decided it would be better to get to the new spot, in this case Houston, and you know get an extra day to acclimate to everything, whatever it may be, and just be ready to go. And, and as you know, I'm sure for Bill O'Brien and the Texans, they're really not doing much football-related on the field with such a short turnaround from Sunday to Thursday. So a lot of it is just the game plan and preparation in terms of watching film. And they can do that in Houston just as well as they can do in Miami. Brock Osweiler, he's been the big story here. He's getting his third start with Ryan Tannehill still out with the shoulder injury. How much have they had to adjust the offense there with Osweiler as opposed to when Tannehill's been under center? Well, according to Adam Gase and the offensive coaching staff, they haven't had to at all. And and Adam Gase said that outside of him, he feels that Brock Osweiler, even more than Tannehill, is the most familiar with this offense of anybody that's part of the Dolphins organization because they have that time that they shared together in Denver when Brock Osweiler was with Adam Gase when he was the offensive coordinator there. And, of course, you know most people remember uh, Peyton Manning running that offense, but Osweiler, who filled in admirably during that Super Bowl year, leading into his one year with the Texans, which you guys are well aware of. Uh, so they haven't had to change much. And quite frankly, for as much as myself and Dolphins fans were very skeptical and perhaps pessimistic about the prospect of Brock Osweiler filling in for Ryan Tannehill, he's actually played pretty well. He's completed almost 68% of his passes. He's got six touchdowns compared to two interceptions and has a nice quarterback rating. Now, you know, in the two starts, they're one and one, so they've had two different results. But I would say so far, considering the reputation he had coming in is, is perhaps maybe not the most uh, trustworthy quarterback, he's done a nice job, and, and he hasn't been the reason why they've lost. So I do think that though he's downplaying it and he's been very professional in his last couple of weeks, I think he's really looking forward to the fact that he can go back to Houston and play against 
his former team, the one that gave him so much money and gave him an opportunity, albeit for just one year. Um, so this is going to be quite the storyline that I'm sure they'll be pumping up on both the national and local broadcasts regarding Osweiler's return to Houston. I think it's surprising, and not so much that he's had familiarity with the offense, because obviously he had that even when he got to Houston. I, I know he talked about Adam Gase a lot and, and the opportunities he got with him when he was with the Broncos, but just the fact that he's able to have the chemistry with the receivers because he didn't really get any first-team reps in the offseason or really much of during the season until Tannehill went out. Is that surprising to anybody in Miami, how, how well it's sort of just come together with such a short period of time that he's had? It surprised me because you're right. I mean, Adam Gase has dedicated the bulk, if not all of the first team reps to Ryan Tannehill because, you know, the, the storyline entering the season for the Miami Dolphins was in part, hey, Adam Gase in his third year, he went to the playoffs his rookie season as a head coach, second season went 6-10, and 10, so how are you going to uh, turn out in this third season? But really the biggest storyline in South Florida regarding the Dolphins was Ryan Tannehill coming off back-to-back knee injuries, and he's he truly their quarterback of the present and the future. And so the fact that he's out, now all of a sudden Brock Osweiler is thrust into uh, action, and I don't think anybody was even that focused on the backup quarterback situation. So Brock Osweiler and David Fales kind of battled it out. They both made the team in an unconventional uh, manner that they have three quarterbacks on the active roster, and Osweiler had outplayed fails. And so to, to answer your question, I am surprised because he didn't get a lot of opportunity. And even uh, a couple of weeks ago now, before he made that surprise start, he just practiced on Friday with the first team. And that was it. That was his only his first team reps two days before a game that they won in overtime against the Bears. So the chemistry has come quickly. But I do think Part of that, if we're just trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, is because of his familiarity with the system and the, the receivers certainly know what they're doing as well, and, it, and it, it's come together nicely over two games. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about those Miami receivers uh, and all the injuries there, but as far as you said, Brock wanting to, looking forward to coming to Houston, his familiarity, uh, he's got familiarity with this Texans defense too. When he was here with the Texans, it was the number one ranked defense in the league, and so now it looks like they're back to their their form in 2016 as good as they've been except J.J. Watt is healthy Jadevian Clowney is healthy and, and they've got Tyron Matthew now. What is Brock saying about facing this pass rush and this defense and, and what are the Dolphins saying in general about this Texans defense? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of respect towards that defense and what they've been able to put together and you know, I was looking at the numbers in the short week and trying to take a look at what their defense provides and what the Dolphins defense provides and it's amazing to see that you know, between Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt, they've got 11 and a half sacks between the two of them. The Dolphins as a team have 11 sacks so far. Um, so, you know, Adam Gase, Brock Osweiler, they're all saying the right things and uh, about uh, the Texans defense specifically and, and looking at this matchup, and certainly there's a lot of respect there. But what I, what I find uh, humorous, and, and this is great for us in the media as we're getting ready for this matchup, but I, I saw Jadavian Clowney's quote about Osweiler saying that, hey, he's not here anymore. I don't really care for him. We didn't win a lot with him, so we're going to try to get after him this week up front, make him rattle the pocket. So, you know, you got that which you expect from the defense. Osweiler isn't going to put any bulletin board material out there. So, you know, they're saying all the right things on the Dolphin side in that regard, but I, I do think that there is a, a real respect for uh, what the Texans bring to the table. Yeah, I was right there when he said that, and, and certainly Jadevian Clowney is having a tremendous season. I think it will be interesting to see what him and J.J. both on the field, what, what they do with the Dolphins in town. Uh, we, we talked about the receivers, Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, 
didn't travel with the team. So the Dolphins are going to have to put together the offense without them. How much of a factor is that going to be? What are they worried about now? I would imagine it's depth at wide receiver next to Danny Amendola. Yeah, this is probably from an internal standpoint for the Dolphins, the biggest storyline that they're dealing with because, you know, Albert Wilson, if we start with him, he's been the breakout star of the offense. And so there was a lot of concern about Jarvis Landry being traded in the offseason. He had been their leading receiver his entire time with the Dolphins since being drafted out of LSU a few years back. And so Albert Wilson has filled the void well and really was just a breakout star in terms of his ability to make the most of every opportunity. He had accounted for touchdown catches of 29 yards, 74 yards, 43 yards, and 75 yards through the air, plus he also threw a 52-yard touchdown. So he was like a big play waiting to happen and was in his second in the NFL in yards after the catch. So he brought a lot to the table, and the, the success that Osweiler's had statistically, a lot of that had to do on the strength of quick, short passes to Albert Wilson that he turned into a 43-yard touchdown and a 75-yard touchdown in the Bears game. So, you know. For anybody who's looking at Osweiler's numbers in Houston and saying, man, he's looking pretty good, he's benefited from a lot of yards after the catch. But Wilson is not going to be available. And uh, Kenny Stills, not going to be available for this game. So Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, and Devontae Parker are the three healthy receivers. uh, Still waiting to see if they call somebody up from the practice squad, which uh, we're expecting they will, just a matter of who it's going to be. But then the added wrinkle of drama to all of this because we can't just have a normal Thursday night game, is that Devontae Parker has been inactive the last three games, former first-round pick. Uh, His agent came out in the media immediately following this last Sunday's loss to the Lions, saying, among other things, that Adam Gase is incompetent and that his client, Devontae Parker, is healthy and should be active and playing. So (laughs) you got... I saw all that. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the Dolphins are down their, two of their top wide receivers. Parker is the guy they absolutely need right now. There have been trade rumors circulating about him. Meanwhile, his agent comes out and says this about the coach. Now, Adam Gase and Parker this week have both said the right things. They said they've spoken. They've mended the fences. So I expect Parker to play for the Dolphins and actually play a large role for Thursday night. But, man, DP, this, this is just drama all over the place with this Dolphins team. The injuries were bad enough, but then you've got this issue with Parker and his agent just makes for even more the Dolphins are trying to balance as they get ready for this short week. Well, if he is healthy, he's definitely going to get his chance on Thursday night with all those injuries as far as wide receiver goes. When I look at Frank Gore there for the run game and Kenyon Drake, it's impressive what they've been able to do, especially Frank Gore, 35 years old. Uh, Do you foresee him becoming sort of the feature back? Because right now they're using both of them together. But do you see one of those guys getting a bulk of the carries Thursday night? Yeah, and you know what? I get asked about this a lot, especially for those who play fantasy football, right? <laughs> the fantasy people want to know, probably, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Kenyon Drake led the league in rushing over the final five weeks of last season and was kind of a breakout star in that regard. Um, and so when they added Frank Gore in the offseason, the assumption was that Drake would be the lead back and that Gore, at 35 years old, would be a complimentary, maybe third down back. But the way it's developed is, and the way Adam Gase has described it, is that Frank Gore is a real north-south runner, so they feel comfortable when they hand him the ball. He's going to maximize every carry, and it, you know he may not break long runs, but he's going to you know push forward and get say three or four yards and make the most of it. Where Kenyon Drake has the propensity to dance a little bit, he produces big plays, but he also produces some carries for loss. So the way it's worked out over the last four weeks or so is that Gore has been the featured back 
and Kenyon Drake has been much more uh, utilized in the passing game. He's still carrying the ball and had a 54-yard touchdown run against the Lions on Sunday, but Drake is being more utilized as a receiver out of the backfield, and Gore is being the more every-down running back that's receiving carries. So that's not what anybody anticipated because, of course, age, but uh, at 35, he has proven to be very durable. Whether they can sustain that over the course of 16 games, we'll find out. But at least for Thursday Night Football, I would expect more of the same. On the flip side of the ball, Lamar Miller is going to face his former team. I know you guys know him well after four seasons there in Miami. And that Dolphins defense really struggled against the run last week. What led to the breakdown and how much of a challenge is it going to be for the Dolphins to turn it around on such a short week? Yeah, it's a real big question, which, you know, entering the game against Detroit, the run defense had been kind of run of the mill, uh, hadn't been great, but also hadn't been terrible. And then after giving up uh, over 250 yards rushing against uh, the Lions, they're now rated as you know the 29th run defense in the league. So I would imagine in, you know, coinciding with Lamar Miller kind of getting on track against the Jaguars, he's probably licking his chops, not only to play his former team, but considering that trend that we're discussing. So that's going to be vitally important. I think one of the issues the Dolphins have faced, despite you know being above 500 at four and three, is that they don't seem to have an identity on either side of the ball. So week to week, they do certain things well and then not so well. So run defense would be a great example of that. None of us saw that coming, especially against the Detroit team that historically, especially with Matt Stafford, has not run the ball that effectively. So for Deshaun Watson with the injuries he's dealing with, if they can continue handing the ball to Lamar Miller effectively, especially against his hometown team and the Miami Dolphins. I think that uh, that should be a good matchup for the Texans to try to exploit. Greg, all things considered, both of these teams are sitting at 4-3 and three heading into this Thursday night game. The Texans are favored by over a touchdown. I don't know, from the Houston standpoint, it's surprising because all the Texans games have been very, very close this year, minus the one at Jacksonville where Jacksonville was favored, but... How surprised are you that the spread is what it what it is, and do you see maybe something different in store for Thursday night? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised just because it seems uh, that, that seems like a big number, but at the same time, I do look at the two teams, uh, despite you know how the games are playing out, as kind of moving in separate directions. So the Texans have overcome a slow start and are playing much better football. Where the Dolphins started three and zero, and even during the three and zero start against Tennessee, the Jets, and the Raiders there were plenty of things that you could pick apart and say, hey, they're not doing things perfectly, but they're finding a way to win. So you never complain about the wins, but you can always have a critical eye about it. They, you know, they really, really dropped the ball against the New England Patriots in 38-7 to loss and then gave up a 17-point lead in just an absolute collapse against the Bengals. We liked what we saw against the Bears because they won in overtime, but then the Lions game, now you, you lose by 11 points. So I guess my point is the Dolphins started off strong, but since then, they've lost three of four. So just based on that trend, considering the injuries, considering Osweiler starting a quarterback, and that I, I think there's this assumption that he's going to kind of revert back to the mean of his career, all of those reasons, uh, I think, and it's a road game, it doesn't surprise me the Texans are favored. Whether they should be favored by that much, I guess we could we could argue back and forth. I guess it's a good thing that I don't bet on these games. But uh, <laughs> I'd <laughs> I be horrible Texans, at it, yeah. The Texans should be favored. Uh, let, let's put it that way.
All right, good stuff. Greg Likens covers the Dolphins for 790, the ticket in 560 in Miami. Greg, always a pleasure. I hope if we ever play a Thursday night game against the Dolphins in Miami, we also go up 48 hours early. I'm just saying. Yeah, that would be good for everybody involved, right? I mean, get down here in the, uh, the South Florida heat and humidity, enjoy the nice weather. That would be good for everybody. Just a beach. A beach would be nice. I'm just saying. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks so much. Yes, no problem. It would be good to talk to you. Good stuff from Greg Likens. It's hard to believe that that Dolphins team started – off 3-0 and while the Texans started off 0-3. And, and how much things change. Certainly uh, trending, both teams trending in completely different directions. So we uh, a fun game on Thursday night. I'm glad that it's at home. It seems like every time we have a primetime game, it's on the road. But this year, all the primetime games are at home. It's a lot of fun to be able to celebrate with the home crowd pre-game, post-game, during game, and have the whole country watching. So... Uh, you can check out this podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. If so, please leave a review. You can check out HoustonTexans.com. If you're listening to this after the game, we've got all the stories, the highlights, press conferences, and more. And I know there's no football this weekend, so you know what? There's a lot of other great stuff on there you might want to check out. KJAC TV, Kid Reporter, uh, Dear Drew, all that's up there on HoustonTexans.com. Download the mobile app. You can take it where you go. That's just my plug for this week. I'm, I'm just saying. But uh, seriously, thanks for listening to the Deep Slam Podcast. We'll be back next week. It'll be a regular week. It'll be the Broncos. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and go Texans.